Hey everybody, thanks for listening to Suicide Buddies. Uh, me and Dave know that we often joke about suicide and death, and we just want you to know that we don't really take it lightly. We're actually very concerned about you if you have uh, suicidal thoughts or any sort of suicidal ideation going on in your mind right now, that you would take the time, put down the podcast, and call 1-800-273-TALK. Uh, that's 1-800-273-8255. It's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. They can get you the resources to help you. And Dave and I really want you to stay with us. So we're happy that you're with us and check them out. Thank you. You know just what to do when I'm sick. I'm Aristotle. I'm sick of it, man. <laughs> every week, every week, something goes wrong. Something's huh? got to go He's wrong. All, yeah, you don't bring any mics. Uh-huh. You won't stop talking. Dave every and I have to kiss. <laughs> yeah, you make you fuck us fuck. Up. You do it every time. You yeah. screw us over like this. You steal my piggy bank. <laughs> <laughs> Every week you, you steal my, my fucking dad piggy bank. When I was a child, why do you do that? <laughs> well, yeah, Aristotle. You or... force us to listen to you play a fucking Dave Matthews Band cover. Is this revenge at a party because... where I'm just trying to get back with my ex? <laughs> <laughs> Is this revenge because people think you're not a person, Aristotle? They think you're a cat. On the Aristotle's podcast. not a fucking cat. He's a person who has flaws. Who's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> we've never come out this hard. Well, you know, we've been under his thumb. We've been under the the iron reign of the Aristotle. Patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. But I'm ready to break free of my chains, you know? <laughs> yeah. What was the bit you were going to start with? What I was the bit I, I was going to remember. Because we were talking about popes for a while, oh, Nazi yeah. popes. Was oh, it yeah, the Nazi, Nazi pope? Oh, yeah, that's right. We were talking, I was saying that, uh, that it's insane that Nazi Pope isn't a Quentin Tarantino movie. Instead, <laughs> he's making it. a movie called like The Hollywood Sign or something. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Once upon a time on a Harvey Weinstein's <laughs> casting couch. Oh my god! It's a magical Yikes. Disney story. The couch like comes alive. It's like a Pixar couch. <laughs> oh my like, god! Hey, everybody oh. keeps <laughs> fucking on me. Oh my god! This is horrifying. Hey, I hope everyone goes to prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, they're trying really hard with the release of this mm-hmm. new Tarantino movie to really just not talk about mm-hmm. this guy's in-depth relationship yeah. with the wine with scenes wine for the scene. last like 30 years. Totally. As everyone all. at Miramax was. Totally. Uh, yeah, it's fucked up, I mean, up, there's dude. all the... I know. Especially... But this movie especially is bad because it's a movie about Hollywood that is itself also very Hollywood. Like, hmm. it's a Quentin Tarantino movie uh, that stars like a bunch of the biggest actors in Hollywood and it's about this place. It's just kind of like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> La La Land. More like, yeah, yeah, land. Nice, yeah, yeah, dude. Got it. Yeah. Land. More like, yikes, yikes, land. Yikes, yikes. <laughs> lawsuits, lawsuits, land. <laughs> 
Is uh, La La Land short for lawsuits, lawsuits? Land? It is lawsuits, lawsuits uh, land. God, that's so funny. No, I know it's it's really weird. I definitely love his movies, like unabashed. As do I. But um, it is funny. Like I tweeted that I was like, well, his next movie is just going to be a woman's foot screaming the n word. Like, right? All, he really does like, like to say the n word. <laughs> It's really weird, man. It's weird also because like Sam Jackson will like go to bat for him right. and be like, here's why it's okay for Quentin right. Tarantino to just like write the N-word and then I'll act it. And it's so funny. It's just like, you don't have to say anything, dude. Like, yeah. I'm sure Disney's like, for the love of God, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like we're trying to make toys out of you, motherfucker. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> About why it's okay for Quentin Tarantino to write a scene where a foot is a slave owner <laughs> and he's owning a bunch of fe- uh, toenails. You get it. You yeah. get the, the metaphor. It's like, yeah. It's funny. Smash cut to a scene where Quentin Tarantino is explaining phrenology to Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> It's like, like, we should do this. <laughs> why is no one stopping us? I put hip hop over the, the scene, therefore it's okay. Oh, man. Nah, that's the thing is like mm-hmm. he's kind of incredible, mm-hmm. but like every uh, genius, I'll say, usually is problematic. Usually, like the weight of just being <laughs> no, I'm like, not. So, <laughs> have you seen Dave's drunk history? Uh, it's genius. <laughs> <laughs> that was a genius episode, dude. Hey, thanks, um, bro. Nah, I know. I'm probably totally wrong by saying that, but I don't know. No, it's but, just I so mean, funny that like whenever somebody who that you love and you just gotta go like Kanye, shut the fuck up. Like yeah. stop for the love of God, stop. Well it's tough too, because you know, like if you're someone who thinks the world is complicated and not simple, you know what I mean? You don't know everything's a gray area. So I know why I mean, I basically agree with Samuel L. Jackson. People should be able to create pieces of work that are reflective of the world. Sure. And that's why it's getting made. But then he makes like seven movies, and you're like, <laughs> Jesus, yeah, dude. It's like, there's a Mandingo fight in this. <laughs> Can we just back up for five seconds? <laughs> like, anyway, yeah, it's so funny. Yeah. It's so fucking funny. Dude, Quentin Tarantino just like going through LA, just saying the N word like loud as fuck, just being like trying to relate to like black people walking down the street. She's like, I'm like you. It's cool. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Sam Jackson said it's cool. <laughs> we find out later that Quentin Tarantino killed Tupac and Biggie. It's cool. I've got a samurai sword and I'm saying the N word. It's cool. <laughs> Everyone said it was cool. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I'm going to see the movie. I'm going to see the fuck out of that. Man. Hell yeah, dude. I'm going to pay. I'm going to go buy a ticket and I'm going to be like, can I pay more? And can you send it to Quentin? <laughs> you send it straight fucking uh, to him, dude. We're part of the problem. Nazi Pope, Quentin Tarantino. Nazi Pope. Nazi Pope, dude. Every hey, Quentin Tarantino movie you see contributes to, to the, the Nazi, Nazi party. Pope. I'm sorry. You're going to introduce the show. Here we go. Welcome to Suicide Buddies. I'm hey, Dave Ross. Guys, I'm Hampton Yunt. This is a show about mental health uh, run by two comedians. We joke around a lot about darkness in us. And in the world and in you, but it's not because we take it lightly. It's because we're trying to stay alive. <laughs> Desperately trying to use jokes <laughs> to keep ourselves alive uh, is, I hey, think, a good way of describing whoa, it. Oh, Dave. Are I'm you, good. Are you saying that humor might be a defense mechanism? <laughs> <laughs> the idea there is you just cross your eyes mechanism? and say things super goofy. Hi. That way you uh, laugh at life. You know, life should be a laugh. <laughs> You know, when you got, you know, frowny clouds above you, how about a little bit of a laugh? <laughs> a little how bit. About, how about a smile? 
That Hell always yeah, makes the rain clouds move away. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck humor is. I don't think it makes things better, but I definitely know it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely know what makes me feel better when I'm suicidal is is a puppet that's a snake. A sna- <laughs> I like it when a snake puppet talks to possibly a sheep puppet. <laughs> this is what I think is funny. <laughs> so you Those are the things that I like. Religion is funny. Yeah. Yes, I okay. worship a snake oh, puppet okay. and his son, a sheep puppet. <laughs> and I believe that there was a tree, man. that an apple tree at the beginning of time, and there was a man and a woman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they were man. hungry. I would kill. And anyway, fuck everyone after that. I would kill to go back to a time when people were so stupid, you could start a religion just by being like, hey guys, I... Totally saw something. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's the right. entire thing. It's like, I swear I fucking saw this. <laughs> and the then end. everyone they're talking to is like, cool. Well, everyone dies at 13, so we believe you. I've never seen anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I can't read and I don't know a language. <laughs> and that's the cult of Quentin Tarantino. That's what I'm Thank talking you. about. If you've never seen art movies, yeah, I guess <laughs> Reservoir Dogs is kind of good. <laughs> you know, if you've never seen fucking anything good and you think Red Lobster's a good restaurant, you piece of shit. <laughs> Do you still have your... your so you're saying that he's like, uh, he's like diet house? art, Quentin he Tarantino? absolutely diet art. But huh. I still enjoy him quite, you know. I don't think it's lot. all diet art. I think some of it's art. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, come on, man. No, no, no. Wait, 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 okay. wait. Okay, hold on. Royale with cheese, huh? Go <laughs> <laughs> about that. Oh my god, dude. Art, 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 art. I kept this iPhone, iWatch up my ass <laughs> yeah. in Vietnam till the digital age. Past Mark Zuckerberg. And let me tell you I what. I kept this iWatch in my ass. I got it out of my ass, and let me tell you something. I got my steps in. Turns out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Go give Detective Pikachu your money. He needs it. Go give an independent artist your money. Don't fuck <laughs> this Quentin Tarantino guy. Give the old private Dick Pika. I can't wait to see <laughs> Detective Pikachu, man. That's going to be the stupidest movie of all time. It's already I, out, man. Oh, is it out? Oh, you haven't seen it yet? Oh, no. I'm going to see it. Did you see it? Uh, yeah, he solves a grisly murder rape. It's so <laughs> Wow. <laughs> It's Holy so- shit, dude. It's weird. Uh, his partner is Bosch? It's <laughs> The whole time. It's crazy. You know it's Squirtle. You just know it's Squirtle. It's Squirtle the whole time. <laughs> Squirtle's just uh, like, Squirtle, Squirtle. And you're like, all right, that's a confession. It's a fucking confession. You know, uh, it turns out after all this time that Squirtle is actually piss. <laughs> Squirtle <laughs> killed someone in Detective Pikachu because he couldn't put post up his squirt fetish videos. Dude, you know Squirtle it. squirts. I've always said it, dude. Squirtle squirts and Pikachu fucks. Dave, I'm going to ask you a very serious question. All right. Where do you fall on squirting? Where do I fall on squirting? Where do you fall on Like it? hard... Yeah, where like you draw, fall a line on it. draw a line on in the sand. Squirt. squirt. Good or bad. Squirt a line in the sand. So I, where do you fall on this? Squirt a line in the sand. <laughs> All right. I think it's time to squirt a line in the sand here. I'm just asking. I'm really asking, man, because I have my Am opinion, I pro or con? I want to know what. No, do you think it's real or not? And do you think it's, I think it's go- real? And then do you think it's good or bad? Okay. For, okay, I'll say this. One, I didn't even know there were people that didn't think it was real. <laughs> and, and two, I don't care if it's good or bad. (laughs) 
Uh, I think that, dude, Dave, if your body does that, then that seems real. Dave, I always care when it comes to squirting. Me too, dude. The ladies. Hell yeah, dude. I always care about it when it comes to Dave. The ladies. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You've never heard that people saying it doesn't exist or, or that it's fake or whatever? I mean, it's not fake. How could it be fake? Why would it be fake? I don't know, dude. Avatar was like fake, but right. like, you know, like it's a movie. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they can do with CGI. Man. You've never hooked up with someone who squirted? Well, yes. <laughs> but I, even then, I'm like, you're faking it. You're full of shit. <laughs> you're full of shit. I kind of felt that way. I was like, you're probably full of shit. You thought that she was just peeing on you? Yeah. Or he? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, it was <laughs> it was Squirtle. It was Squirtle. Was squirtle, and I was like, dude, Squirtle's you're just a Squirter, doing this dude. That's your name. <laughs> yeah, dude, you're this too on the nose, dude. You're telling me Squirtle comes every time. This is like how Ronald McDonald eats at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Oh, you know what? You literally just reminded me that we Good. have a show in Portland. We do. That we're doing. We're doing stand up in Portland, guys, this weekend, May 26th. Slay 26th, dude. <laughs> May the 26th be with you, <laughs> fans of Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be at the Siren Theater, uh, Siren 7 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. And I can't wait. Portland, come out. Oh, and I'll be Bring in Seattle. Bring all your Nazi Pope friends. <laughs> I'll be in Seattle the days before at uh, the Laughs Comedy Club. Do not go to that. Go to the <laughs> go to the Portland one. You can't. There's too far away, Dave. Yeah, no, no. Do not go to Hampton Seattle shows. Do not go. To <laughs> the club is so mad at me. Are they? Well, they. they it, it's through a friend, so I can't take it very seriously. But they kind of were like. You know, sales are typical, but not great, which is typical. And I was like, God, fucking. Oh, they're mad at you in that way. Oh, I see. Well, they definitely like went out of their way to be like, um, can we do even more promotion? Even though I've been promoting a ton. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's definitely like, oh, God, I don't know how to get people to come out to comedy shows. Sure. Somebody just recently wrote me today. It was just like, I forget. He was like, come to Portland, Maine. And I was just like, can you get people to, like, (laughs) yes, I will. Can you get a show? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Going like. I don't, it's so fucking weird when people are like, come to my apartment. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm like, come to New York City. Here's a New York City show. Yeah, right. I'm like, come to Tampa. Also, <laughs> New York and Tampa. <laughs> just double, just do a double. You could do New York and then That's come so later funny. that night to Tampa. Hey, Dave, I see you're in Orlando on Wednesday. We got a room in Ottawa on Thursday. <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> I'm like, I'm not prejudiced. Just tell me how. <laughs> Don't just be like, you figure it out. Yeah. You know what you should play? Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good venue. <laughs> oh, and pack it out like full of people. It'd be great. <laughs> You'll love it. Oh, film it. Come out with like a live performance DVD. People, <gasps> go crazy. You know what? Go on Netflix. You know what would be really helpful to your career? Have a number one album on iTunes. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> well, you did that though, didn't you? It was a. There <laughs> <laughs> you. You did for a half a day. Well, yeah, for half a day. Come on, well you're you're not gaff again. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have an opinion either way on hot pockets. Most of my bits on the album are like, guys, just go listen to Jim Gaffigan's album. <laughs> like, like it's so easy to click on it. It's over there. It is so funny, those guys in comedy that like are just 
so famous just for stand up and there are like four of them total it's like Jim Gaffigan Kevin Hart John Mulaney John Mulaney and Rodney Carrington and that's it <laughs> and they all stole from us and they just, you're damn right you're damn yeah right. they went to Mike's in LA seven years ago and we've been fucked ever since um, yeah no come to those shows in Seattle and Portland I got some shows in Northern California coming up too all that's on my website davetotheross.com you guys know where to get tickets hell yeah dude you get it by now um, how you been man oh man I'm okay I'm working on it <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah I am well I can tell you one thing that I mean maybe th- this doesn't pertain to everyone but it l- maybe could help some people so one of the things, I mean, if you've been listening to the show, I've been talking about like having a real bad bout of depression the past however long, few weeks, month, whatever. It's been painful. And um, uh, one of the things that plays into that is that I uh, am, I don't feel very productive. Mm. And, um, and I also work freelance, obviously. I do this and stand up is my income. And so I like barely make enough money, mm-hmm. so I should be like really out there grinding hard, and uh, I was for a long time, but there are like a handful of things that combined to make me not. I got really sick. Also, I am very, very burnt out on all these things I was doing, and you know, you need to yeah. afford yourself breaks in life, but, but also there's definitely a depression thing that was keeping me home, and, and like, and then staying home makes you go crazier, which makes yeah. you more sad, which makes you stay home more. And I, yeah. and more than anything, it's routine, right? I had gotten into a routine of a like depressing routine. Be a depressive routine yeah. that uh, I think actually came from a normal, healthy place. And then it got out of hand is, and so really? like a little bit of self introspection kind of got out of control. Yeah. Like last year I took a break uh-huh. from my grind. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I didn't take a break from making things, but I took a break from my grind and it was because I needed it. I was burnt out and also I had some real shit to deal with. And then that sort of ended, and uh, I got back into the habit of like making stuff. I was coming back out of it, but then the album happened, and that was very stressful. Mm-hmm. Everything around that, Your touring around that, and then yeah. I got really sick and all that shit. Mm-hmm. And then once that all ended, I needed to chill again for a minute. But then I don't know, just something happened where everything came crashing down for me, and I got really depressed. And so that break that I needed right after it just turned into me being depressed and not doing anything and thinking about it and trying. And so what would happen is I would uh, wake up every day and be like, okay, I need to do some things. And then I wouldn't do them and I wouldn't do them and I wouldn't do them. And then it would be like seven or 8 PM been there. And I would be like, (laughs) okay, well, I'm not going to go to bed until like midnight. So I have until then to get this stuff done. And then I, it would be midnight and I hadn't done anything and I would be like, well, I can stay up late and do it. I don't have anything else to do. But then, but I'm trying to like switch my routine around. So sometimes one of two things would happen. I would stay up till three doing it or not doing it, whatever. I would stay up till three that I, then either I would make myself get up early to try to switch my schedule around (laughs) or I would sleep in. (laughs) And both of those things are terrible. I've seen this personally so many times. Yeah. Yeah, Cause if I get up early, then ideally that'll switch my routine, my schedule around. But 
Then I have a full day on only three hours sleep. I feel like shit the whole time. Yeah. Who knows how I'm going to react to that since I'm already depressed. And you're recording this podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> About suicide. <laughs> About uh, suicide. Or um, the other option is that yeah. I let myself sleep in after that, and then I sleep till fucking noon mm-hmm. and uh then i feel shitty about that and it like starts me off on the bad on a bad foot with that day procrastinating again but i came up with one thing that started to work that started to make me feel better that it makes me optimistic i what i did was i just made it so i am no longer allowed to work past six okay. i uh and this is a, it's not the same for, you're, it's not going to be the same for everybody, but I respond to this kind of thing. You I like can, a rule for yourself. I can give a, yeah, and it, but it's also a rule that I can follow. There are types of rules that I'll break. Yeah. And they're usually the types that make me lose sleep. Kissing girls. Yeah, I'll break <laughs> I mean, that I'll rule. rule. <laughs> don't kiss your cousin. Ooh, I broke that rule. Uh, <laughs> don't uh, fuck your parents. The thing Rules is, are I, made to be I broken. I try so hard with that, like, you know, like. Here it is. I'm telling. I'm giving myself the final ultimatum. It's definitely going to be this by 8 p.m. Or like, I'm never going to do this on a Friday or whatever. Like, well, I'll tell and you I why. Break it every fucking time. I'll tell you why this type of rule works for me, and maybe it'll help some people, and at least maybe it'll help you understand, like, coming up with a type of thing that could help yourself. Because obviously, I'm different than a lot of people. But like, okay, what I was trying, what I wanted to, what what I would like to be able to do is have a day where uh, a whole day for me would be if I could get up, uh, work out and eat, catch up on emails, finish that by the end of the morning, then write and work on comedy shit until dinner time, then like chill, take a break, eat dinner, and then go out and either hang out with friends or do stand-up shit. That's how I would like uh, my days to go. And I think that if I were to create a light, like create a routine like that, I would get the most out of my life that I want. That's so funny that like most people seem to be trapped on kind of those first three things. It's like get up, eat something, shower, try to answer emails. Like just that basic shit is. Well, this is what I'm saying. Fucking stifling. But that's my problem. Is like so. Then even though that's what I want, I'm like, okay, well, how do I do the first part? Mm. And so the first thing I I said to myself was like, okay, no matter what. Get up at nine, no matter how late you stayed up, thinking hmm. that that would force me to uh, go to bed earlier. Yeah, but it your didn't. Whole schedule, <laughs> nah. but it fucking didn't. Nah. So then I was like, okay, make yourself go to bed by midnight. That's what I'll do. Um, and so, hmm. and that might work for some people, but for me, I it would just hit midnight every night. And because I'm such a procrastinator. And I would have these empty days of doing nothing. I would hit midnight and it would feel like I had nothing happen that day. And so I just subconsciously would be like, well, I have to watch a movie or write something or do or call someone or something. Yeah, Go yeah. get wasted in order to have even a semblance of a day, right? Do you get much out of sleep? Like, I do. Do you uh, dream? I dream. It's yeah. like... I really need the rest, though, <laughs> because of how <laughs> sad I get, I think. I, yeah, but, uh, I, I just, but, like, 
I already have a disposition to just not liking sleep. Oh, really? Yeah, mm. I don't. I never really rest like super well, and I'm always like, I never dream, and it's just like boring. And I sleep like maybe six hours, you know. So well, here's just like, oh god damn it, I got to do my six hour thing to just not die. <laughs> like that's the way I think of sleep. It's wow, like, fuck. interesting. Like, god damn it. I mean, I guess I do like it, but it is more functional than anything else because I just feel like shit all day if I don't do it. But yeah. so, so those were the first two rules that I tried to give myself. The getting up early thing kind of worked. Making myself go to bed at night didn't work. It just didn't work. Mm. And so I've only been, here's the thing. I've been, I'm three days into this don't work past six thing. And I've broken the rule every time. <laughs> but also every time I stopped working at seven or eight. Uh, Is that because Jagannaths work? Because Jagannaths work. <laughs> jack That's why. Off. Let me finish this. I uh, <laughs> so I the the reason that I like it is this. I was procrastinating throughout the day because I never had to stop myself. And so not only was I not doing any work, I then would not do any stand up and wouldn't hang out with anyone because I was just like I don't deserve. Mm. So now. If I like have to stop working at six, like yesterday, I had to get some writing done and I had to stop working at six. So I procrastinated until four and then I was like, fuck. And I did it. And then I, I probably stopped at like seven. Actually, I went to dinner with a friend and then I went to a comedy show and it's like, I'm still not totally there, but I'm encouraged because that rule, like, I guess what I'm saying is. The answer isn't always so on the nose. It's not exactly what you think it is. There's something psychological about forcing myself to stop my regular workday at six, like a nine to five, mm. that changes my attitude a lot. And I'm, I'm super. I'm still feel pretty depressed, but I'm optimistic that it'll change. And I, I don't know. I think maybe some people will get something out of that. I, yeah. Uh, if you're like, if you're like me, and you're trying to switch your schedule around, think about what's happening, what you're losing. Because what I was really losing, aside from not being productive in my work life, which I need to move forward and make money and get more like known in this, I was also not hanging out with people. And that's like human beings are what we need, actually. We need human contact. So, so but you said you broke kind of your own rule a lot. But so where would you say you're at now with it? Like I said, I'm only three days into it, so I don't okay. know. I'm trying to keep... Right. But, like, I will say, you can't... No rule can be hard and fast. It's just, like... It's good to make goals for yourself, always. I always felt that, like, with, like, depression. Yeah. It's, like, you really can't start to climb out unless you're setting some sort of thing to be climbing towards. Yeah. And that's all just goal setting is about. And it comes off really small at first, where you're, like, I swear to God, where it's, like... When you were talking about how that schedule starts to just become so, you know, it compresses you down where it's like, oh, God, I haven't responded to the emails yet. So how can I work on this next thing? Yeah. You know, and like I have to just give myself a hard out. I think um, it's easy to understand people kind of getting caught up on those first things. Getting overwhelmed. Getting overwhelmed. Yeah, exactly. That's why I think this strategy is good maybe for a lot of people because like what I'm what I'm striving for is this schedule. Uh, no matter what, like working out and and like day to day life bullshit over by noon. <laughs> uh, comedy writing work done at six, and then life after that. Uh, <laughs> social life, stand up, the shit that like really gives me like 
in the moment joy yeah. at night. And then, so like, I get really overwhelmed, but like, I just kind of realized like, I'm going to delay this shit. It's going to be looming over me. So if I make myself have to stop, yeah, it's this weird, like I, I, I have to do it. Or it's at least acknowledging, well, I wasn't going to fucking do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, and I do think that, like, it's one thing to not get your shit done. It's a whole other thing if not getting your shit done also means you never see your friends. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. You I should- mean, I, I definitely experience it. And I think, like, it's – we're maybe in a kind of a weird, rare, particular – It's a specific boat, Which is position. that we're self-employed kind of in a yes. sense. And therefore, the lines of what's personal time and it's what's business blurred, time yeah. starts to get blurred. And, you know, just low level, if that's your life, if you have to take your work home with you, like, this is just a huge stress for people. It's yeah. just this idea of, like – I don't even know where I start or, you know, end because basically my entire life is my career is my life. Right. You know, so as many parameters as you can put on yourself is good. And I think, yeah, goal setting is, is really good. And also keeping in mind that everybody's human and we all fuck up so many times, but the real point of goal setting is at least pointing your feet in the right direction. Right. And that's why I get there eventually. I'm not mad at myself that I, haven't even completely followed the rule yet because if i'm like okay i have to i'm trying to change my life around stop working at six and then i procrastinate till four and write till seven sure i broke my rule but i did way better than i've been doing for months um uh uh, new rule dave (laughs) uh no more j and o after 6 p.m dude what if from noon to six every day i'm jerking off (laughs) I have to stop work at six. Um, I can't stop. <laughs> I can't. Oh, all day I come. If, um, new rule. If Republicans <laughs> want to stop abortions, they have to start catching Dave's cum. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Oh, there was yeah. one more thing about that I was going to say. Do Shit. you ever make rules for yourself oh. about jacking off too much? I've done it. Have like, you? I have to stop jacking off. This like, much? This is just insane. I feel like I've never... I experience so much shame when I come that I think... <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that was so odd. And oh, it's so severe. That's so <laughs> so severe. Oh my god! No, um, dude, I feel like the president. Every do time. you? I feel it's like, like doing I feel coke. Awesome. I feel, I feel like God. No, dude. yeah, no, I, I feel like God. coming feels good, man. I, I like it. I like it, dude. Because <laughs> we have to stop the podcast, dude. If you're not enjoying coming, we have to stop being friends. <laughs> I also want to say real quick before we stop. Also, Anthony and I both know that we speak about work life from a place of privilege. You know, I, like when I talk about this, I share because it's my feelings and this is our podcast. It's so we share our experiences. Though, yeah. But I also know like that even though I am broke and I am barely just by the skin of my teeth being able to afford to live just on comedy, I do really feel that since I'm able to afford to live just on comedy, that that's a gift. And I, I know that that's a huge deal. I know that. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. I do know that funny. And it's also like, it's still sad. And then separately, these other problems do exist, but like, don't listen to this and be like, these guys don't even aren't even grateful. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is always kind of funny to see how disrespected like comedy can be as an art form where it's kind of like, 
And that joke's like that other guy's joke. Yeah, like everything is just so fucking hateful towards a comic where it's just like, you did that joke last time. Fuck you. Like everything's just like, yeah. be funny, new, be new and funny. Everything be new and funny now. Give me, and it has to be free. I don't want to pay for it. I want to watch it all for free. I was so literally like, God damn. I was watching, I was featuring for Joe Zimmerman at the Atlanta Improv. Oh, that's once. his bit I was doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, he's a rage comic. They, I was standing in the back, and the, and actually, like he's from there. He did really well. A lot of people came, and um, he's so fucking funny. Oh, he's uh, awesome, dude. Yeah, and I was standing in the back, and there were like a couple of women r- sitting in chairs, right like a few feet from me, and uh, and he like did this bit, and one of the women women <laughs> turns to the other one and goes, "Is he really doing his joke from the video on the website?" <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like damn lady yeah. I, I can't believe the stones played I can't get no satisfaction I know it's like heard it I heard that on a car commercial it's like and fuck you, how, dude. That's the thing. I was like, man, I am just killing myself trying to figure out how to like make videos and stuff sometimes, and then I'm like. I, this material, by the time I figure out how to make the video, the material is almost kind of old to me. Yeah. I'm just like, I should have already had new jokes by now. So it's kind of this never-ending fucking yeah. cycle of never feeling good enough with stand-up. Right. Oh, hey, Georgia. Georgia's here. Hey. Hey, your wife is here. My wife. <laughs> just showed up. You guys want to interview me? Or? Yeah, sure. <laughs> nice Y'all Ever shirt. She's wearing a Y'all Ever shirt. Do you? Is that your wedding ring? My, my just showed up. <laughs> if you want to propose to your bitch, I recommend you get him a Y'all Ever sweatshirt. I just want to point out that you just called your wife a bitch. Yeah, I just no, want to say that. When you want to propose to your bitch, this is for the Fair home enough. viewer. <laughs> So Hampton and I might get matching tattoos oh. to celebrate our marriage. Because when <laughs> Wait, this is not good. Wait, what? We, we're what? <laughs> because when we got married in the courthouse, um, there was a guy behind us getting his license to get married, and it said on the side of his neck, money over bitches. And yes! So we might get uh, money over bitches tattoos. Oh, <laughs> that's so funny. That's so good, dude. <laughs> no, I mean the sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> wow what a dick no and the funny thing is he he was so pleasant to the woman behind the counter really like he had a gigantic money over bitches like neck tattoo and he was just like oh i'm sorry i didn't bring the right form she's like should i come back on thursday with yeah but he would have killed her for a quarter any any amount of money at all yeah. <laughs> trust that this guy was dangerous yeah i'll be nice to you but give me your fucking traveler's checks <laughs> <laughs> I'll take foreign currency. Yeah, totally. I don't give a shit. Oh man, money over bitches. That's just what's fucked up about that is that it's also just so hack and cheesy. It's like a thing no, you school. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> we were beside ourselves, and then the fact that he was insanely pleasant to the woman kind of was breathtaking. Um. um <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'd say it's time to take a break. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, what are we doing, dude? Uh, We're going to be talking about Larry Troutman and his brother, Roger Troutman. Oh, hell yeah, dude. uh, Who both died in a murder-suicide. Wow, okay. But uh, let's get into it after the break. They're both uh, the creators of the band Zap. (laughs) 
Zap oh, right. Lodger. Zap. All yeah. right. Well, uh, we'll be back after we tell you to brush your teeth. <laughs> right? Aristotle? Aristotle? Fucking Aristotle. <laughs> Dave and I were talking off mic about Saves the Day, a mutual band that we like. And, you know, it's hard to maybe enjoy things that we liked once upon a time <laughs> in Hollywood. But I think uh, we, we were about to kind of just touch on talking about nostalgia in general. And something I just kind of wanted to point out was when uh, the term nostalgia was even created, I think it's like a Swedish term. And it's what they called when soldiers... For the first time ever, they never had to really like leave their land or their homeland. When soldiers were sent off, this this feeling that they were all having, this dark depression of missing home, and they called it just nostalgia. Whoa. And that's what it, the term comes from, is just sending soldiers like way far away, them missing home, and this kind of depression that... So we, we associate sometimes nostalgia with like retro and like fun, like, oh, it's ALF. But, but right. when you like are going like when you're making that cocky gesture towards an Alf poster and you're going, ew, it's Alf, you're kind of going, oh, I wish I was a baby again. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was a baby and innocent and like fl- Alf. It's funny with fresh eyes. While you're telling me these, it's these Swedish soldiers, they're far from home, they miss home, they're super depressed. I just picture like, uh, like they have nostalgia, they're like in the dark, wet camp. And then someone just starts going, this song will become the anthem. <laughs> oh, oh, like, yes, yes, yes. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm probably wrong with Sweden. It's Switzerland or Austria, but it's, it's in that area. Just this idea of like missing your homeland. Mm-hmm. We've never had to go fight over the mountain. Yeah. I miss my home. <laughs> it's all like whiny Nazis. Yeah, and what we were talking about, I mean, Saves the Day was what sparked the conversation because we were talking about how they tour, and uh, and I know them. I at least know Chris. So, Chris, I don't know if you listen, but hey, if you do, <laughs> hey, what's up, dude? Out. Hey, man. It's been a while. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I hope you're good. I, I miss hanging out with you. <laughs> we used to hang out, and we haven't in a while, and I missed that. I have <laughs> nostalgia way, for it. By the way, Jay-Z, wish we could get back dude, in the Jay-Z, studio. Jay-Z, love I, you, dude. <laughs> I just want to say, here at Hampton Young, just saying to Jay-Z, wish we could hang again, dude. Just wish you could make a new gray album, dude. Because um, you have the black album, and I'm white. <laughs> Can we do the Easter egg album? <laughs> um but yeah, Saves the Day is like a big nostalgia band, and they're still touring, and it's it is a little different with them because uh, he's still making records and stuff. But it's this weird thing where, yeah, I have a, it puts a bad taste in my mouth with bands that like were gone, it like of a time, went away, mm. uh, came back, and then everyone not only has this fervor for them like they did yeah. in the late 90s and early 2000s, but seemingly it's a lot more people are into it. Yeah. And it's just really weird. Well, more it just, people have had time to discover those classic albums. I, I guess, guess right. right. But it's just so funny, especially with punk and emo, because I remember going to those shows and there weren't that many people there. Uh, <laughs> That's so funny. You're just like, there should be the same amount of people. <laughs> That's not what I mean. No, no. But, but that's so funny. And yeah. also, like, um, I hear you, man. It's, it's so, so funny. Like, is it nostalgia? Well, or is it just it, that you got into it late? It's pure nostalgia. And man. it's okay to get into something late. I guess what I'm saying is, like, 
it as someone who makes things, it irks me that we just keep looking backward. Yeah. Where like, I don't know, like if we as audiences were like, I am more excited mm. to see what the Taking Back Sunday dudes want to do now. Uh, <laughs> and I don't, I don't know them, but I, I know they still put out records, but like, but like what, you know, what else? Yeah. Cause what do you want to do with stuff? <laughs> I don't, I guess I yeah. just refuse to believe that them making emo is still what they want to do. Exactly. And, I and think, maybe I'm just wrong. About and I think that. also trying to like really be like, remember that one album we did? Like, that's just a flawed yes. like, idea. And, and it really does kind of like smack of kind of like, I don't know, opportunism. Yeah. Hey, I know my market is in that sweet 30 year old like you know income is fluid right <laughs> demographic you guys are gonna buy this stuff and it's it's sad because i do want to go to those a lot of times but i also am like i know exactly what yeah it's a cash grab it feels like yeah, exactly and you can't not feel that cynicism <sighs> in any sort of scene that's all like fuck the man or whatever and yeah. then it's like oh you became i guess man. that's what it is too yeah, yeah. for sure yeah, fuck the man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going back and forth on this as I'm talking about it because I'm the one because it's like I don't want to shit on these guys because I'm not them and I don't know what it's like. I and as I was saying it, I guess it's like totally possible to continue to want to make emo albums into your fifties. But I <laughs> sure. just I'm a I am alive and I'm 36 <laughs> and I can tell you that it doesn't really feel like it applies to me much anymore. These are almost lyrics. They're so beautiful. <laughs> it doesn't apply to me anymore. <laughs> Dude, on this note, like I feel like this would be a really great intro into. Uh, is this coming through? This is the new Taking Back Sunday record. <laughs> they got emo is fucked, dude. This I this love that shit, dude. This is uh, the band Zap. Yeah, they still tour. Frank Zappa? Go- <laughs> no, fuck that shit. Frank Zappa fucking sucks, dude. Whoa. Zap the band rules. Okay, Zap does rule. Zap is awesome. But let's not be shitty about and Frank still Zappa. On tour. No, I just want to give shout out because I, I was like, man, we might be shitting on them a little bit in this. But, Zap. But to be fair, they put on a great live show. Uh, it's all the surviving members. Yeah. And I, I just think people should actually go see him because it's really fun. They like, still tour. That's crazy. It's super fun music, too. It's just like it's dancing. They're and playing just like... the uh, Burbank Sizzler scene. <laughs> 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 I mean, the, the tour schedule was a little like <laughs> there's a Honda dealership opening up. Come see Zap. You know, but... Dude, DMX just played at the mall by where I grew up. No fucking way. How crazy is that? How terrified was that mall? Uh, yeah, <laughs> dude, the whole mall was like, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. There were a lot of Rough the Riders. Macy's. A lot of Rough Riders in that mall that day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, dude. Because X uh, gave it to him. He yeah. gave it to him. <laughs> X will be giving it to you X at the uh, <laughs> pavilion at the center of the mall at 1230, 1230 p.m. 235 p.m. Uh, and 3.30 p.m. X will be giving it to you. X will be giving it to you. <laughs> you like cut to his Woodstock performance where he's like fucking shouting at a you know, sea of 200,000 people in control yeah. of everybody, like the highest point of his life, and then be like, Smash cut anyway, to Dave, Ross is gonna be, <laughs> Dave Ross is going to be buying some Jankos DMX will be selling at the mall. <laughs> DMX sells jeans at the mall. That's what I meant to say. 
He goes, he tours malls and he sells jeans. Damn. Look, listen to this. X jeans. Listen to this hottest. <laughs> Dude, I love this shit, man. God so, damn. Yeah, I know. Awesome. I was so happy I could actually bring up a song on here. It's like that shit completely influenced all of hip hop. Totally. Basically all West Coast hip hop. Go play it again real quick. Here we go. Going back into that. Yeah, you can hear it. X gone, give it to you. <laughs> Wait it's for you to get there. it on your own. X gonna deliver it to you. Yeah. Knock knock who coming at the door X for real. Will so give it to you. Papa stainless steel. <laughs> check it, check it, check it, check it out. <laughs> Listen, no disrespect. I love DMX. No disrespect. I think he's awesome. The following things I do not respect. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he fought Jet Lee. <laughs> the guy from Zap? <laughs> DMX. Um You know Zap is actually the uh, got their name from uh the phrase zip zap zop. Shut up. That was created by Dave Waite. <laughs> improv game zip zap zop. Zip zap zop. Dude, can we describe that to people? That I don't is know a, if I know a, that. That's the lowest level improv thing they they teach you right it's like just, a conversation with no words right <laughs> yeah i guess it's like even before even that where it's just like literally just look at me look mm -hmm. make acknowledge that i'm looking at you look at the next person and we'll go zip i now say zap you say zop to that guy it's like a three person just like to get three people to look at each other okay let's the three of us play this game except instead of zip zap zop right, we'll play wait wait, wait. we're yeah. gonna it's not zip zap zop we're gonna play poo pee cum all right <laughs> okay all right dave start poo pee cum. pee come come <laughs> You're out of improv. <laughs> do you have to go in order? I always thought you said whatever you want. I, or do you have I to go in order? I think we just failed improv 101. But improv's so good, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, instead of writing jokes, how about you just, you know, mug? Cool. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, you just make some faces. It's so funny how Look improv will just never... It It's like never bad to make fun of it ever i will never stop it never feels hack never. i have friends who do improv nah, and i modern. don't feel bad about shitting on improv not at all do not feel bad about it i like improv in the in, in the idea of it but like communism the execution of it has led to genocide and yeah. we cannot allow further improv to yes. exist <laughs> I agree with 100% of what you just I'm said. I'm just saying communism was a form of political improv. Yeah, it you know was. Hey, it's all for the people. Wait a second. You know, the improv the was actually shortened. It, was, it used to be called improv, <laughs> And that's the thing that I don't like about it. <laughs> well, it's too male. Uh, despite nostalgia and uh, <laughs> the ability to see Zap anytime you want, um, they zip zap zap. <laughs> they got through some pretty tough times. It sounds, and it's also very interesting to me. <laughs> it's so funny, dude. I watched a documentary about the band, and at one point they they're talking about the death of um, uh, Roger Troutman, and the woman on the camera she goes, "You know, nine eleven, it was like that." What? No. <laughs> She's kind of like it's. It's like 9-11. Everyone remembers where they were. Wow. Day. And I was like, 
That's oh, God so damn, crazy. Did she just do that for me? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I'm watching thank this documentary. You. I'm like, thank you for tying this into 9-11 oh, for no so reason. Funny. <laughs> when you think of Roger Troutman, don't you picture a fish wearing a suit? <laughs> or yes. like a, a man wearing a suit with a fish head? To be fair, he did uh, and he has a, British a accent. lot of beautiful suits. Oh, did he? Uh, they were so stylish, man. <laughs> uh, the band Zap was basically all formed around Roger. Roger Troutman was this genius prodigy of a family of like 10 kids. And the much Troutmans? Like the, <laughs> wow. Much a like regular the, school. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A, a regular yeah, school yeah. of fish. Is uh, anyone else could, here? Aristotle, if you could put a star beside that joke <laughs> of Dave's jokes, just yeah. make sure it gets a star so at the end Dave can So we can put it on the internet. So he knows what jokes are great. Yeah, um, man. So I know which jokes are great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'm proud of myself <laughs> for my comedy. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Troutman grew up in a school of 10 fish. Go. 10 fish. Uh, growing up super poor, but they all were very happy as a family. And they really strike me as like an Osmonds kind of family band situation. Oh, sure. Of very clean, like clean living like they didn't do drugs they didn't like drink a lot even in their successes they just kind of were are like, there fish that do drugs <laughs> <laughs> all right I'm yes done. I'm done. <laughs> yes and you just slip my throat <laughs> yeah. uh okay so they're like a family band that they don't <laughs> yeah move that dick <laughs> shake your fucking dick <laughs> Yeah, so basically he created that. Okay, uh, great. Roger Troutman. He's a genius. And what kind of music did they play as a family band, do you know? When they were just starting out, basically, Roger was suddenly this interest for the family of like, wow, this kid is like exceptionally talented. And they bought him a guitar, and by six years old, they started taking him around to local clubs, just being like, check out my kid. Look what he can do. And he would just like blow people's minds oh. like playing the guitar and like doing like... Oh, so they weren't like a Jackson 5 kind of thing where like the no. mom and dad played instruments too? No, it really okay. was like Roger as a little kid being such a prodigy that they were like... Lester, you have to learn the drums. <laughs> like, oh wow! Your the, your brother Roger is so good at guitar and like learning musical instruments. Like, let's start the family band, basically. Oh yeah! Wow. So they start them off to the races right there, like at six years old. Holy shit! And they just start like build originally as a. Uh, Lil Roger and the Vets. Oh, wait. Lil Roger and his fabulous Vels. That's it. Wow. <laughs> and they're playing like every local thing possible. Where is this? Uh, this is all in Ohio. Oh, okay. This is all super interesting to me that basically they're such an important funk band. And I didn't know, but basically funk is mostly from like Ohio, Detroit, Chicago. Yeah. Where in Ohio did they live? I think it was um, Dayton. Uh. originally and um a lot of like their dealings with like uh james brown or bootsy collins as this little child prodigy is getting more and more known they start getting kind of known by bootsy collins and people who work with oh, yeah what funk yeah when did this happen like when was he six years old and a prodigy uh, well, he's born in 1951. Uh, okay, so six years go. older than that. You know, this is all kind of like pre-60s, I guess. But you know, he's just forming his first band. Sure. And like, when was Parliament? I just like don't 
really know, I guess, when funk happened. Parliament. That would be the 70s for the most part. Like he was learning all his chops and learning how to play locally and just be a known entity Uh around Ohio for a long time. But he started developing this funk sound. Oh, he did. And uh, that's what got him the attention from Bootsy Collins. Oh, okay. Where Bootsy Collins was like, come to come to like Cincinnati. Oh yeah, sure. Like, uh, and like, let's just record some stuff. Wow, funny Ohio. Yeah, I, yeah, interesting. It's not known for like. I guess it's funny because I'm just trying to like give credit where credits due. It's totally, like, man. It's you a town that you don't of... associate with a ton of music, so it's just like they basically created funk, man. which then led to hip hop and like rap. You know, like right. this is just like such a fucking formative thing. Totally. You forget, I mean, the Midwest is not really thought of, I mean, aside from Chicago, people don't have the Midwest on the top of their mind when it comes to music history that much, which is crazy, especially because Detroit has, is like so deep rooted in music history, but I just never hear people bring it up lately. You mostly hear like like the blues. Like, oh, that Chicago blues. Totally. But Detroit had fucking Motown. (laughs) Exactly. And... Uh, the Stooges and MC5 came from Detroit. Like, yeah, it's easily as big as New York or LA. I know, basically. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. And it's like credit where credits due. Yeah, and Cincinnati, it makes sense, man. Have you been there? It's a fucking, it's a cool town. It's a cool town with a lot of problems. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you could see how there's a big music scene there. So about the time that uh, Roger was being discovered by Bootsy Collins, they changed the band name to Roger and the Human Body. Oh, cool. And it's a good still, name. <laughs> I know. It's like uh, such a fucking like such a fucked up sexy body. Like yeah. it, the human body. Roger and the inside of the <laughs> vagina. <laughs> he definitely was all about like, his personality was very much like, we're going to fuck tonight. Like sure. all his music career. When he was six. <laughs> 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 he was a bit older. <laughs> By the By time now. he was, he, I was fucking sex workers when I was 10. It's for the ladies. Double digits, double penetration. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's gross. Uh, huge apology to all the kids listening. <laughs> uh, okay, so he has like a very sexual performer. Yeah, I think he just kind of retained that throughout his career. Yeah. As being like... Funk is so sexy just in general. He's so interesting, this guy, uh, Roger Troutman, where it's like he could have been Prince, basically. <laughs> oh, okay. He is such he was a, a genius. <laughs> He's a Troutman. <laughs> <laughs> the artist, the fish formerly Gene known Hack as... Gene Hackman. He's half hack. Half man. Gene Hackman. <laughs> so you're think, you're caught up on the fact that his last name has the word man in it. <laughs> or is it that trout's in his name? It's trout. It's a trout. <laughs> He's a trout man. <laughs> it's both. I'm a trout man. <laughs> well, he's a genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an undiscovered genius. Sexy ass trout man. Sexy ass uh, Roger. Uh, you should also check out his solo uh, album he put out 
which is the called the Many Faces of Roger. Oh, okay. <laughs> which I think is one of the most ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's like, he's like such a fucking like showman and like Prince kind of clown where it's like you, you want to laugh at times, but you're also like this dude is trying to fuck. Yeah. Nonstop. Yeah. And it's almost this clownish kind of persona. And then he releases an album called The Many Faces of Roger oh, as man. he's launching Zap. Because he's just like, I want people to know I'm I'm clearly like a talent. Yeah. And like the cover is like him with like eight photos of him doing like different faces. Different things. <laughs> you know, like the many faces of Roger. It's wow. Like, it's so he's, fucking bizarre. He's got a sad side and he's got a <laughs> loving side. Yeah. He's got a pirate captain side where yeah. he's wearing a little hat. He's got a corncob pipe. Ooh, he's got a Sherlock Holmes side. <laughs> In the show, like, uh, wow, <laughs> it was his episode of the characters. <laughs> so, when he formed uh, Zap, which was the original uh, creation, that was off of uh, one of his brother's like childhood nicknames. They called it Zap because he was called Zap as a kid, and you know, they released the song uh, called More Bounce to the Ounce, okay, which is a real fucking club jam let's see if i can pull that up oh wait this is the one this is the one we've been listening to <laughs> yeah this is dope okay, dude. dude oh it's dope every ounce gets more bounce <laughs> <laughs> and it's like all right that's that sounds maybe a little like trite to us like we've heard that sound a million times over it's funny because it I know what you mean because mm-hmm. I definitely have heard it a million times, but it doesn't sound right to me. I love it. I legitimately oh, love that sound. A, no, of course it's it's a it's, Hampton. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's of course great, but you've heard it so many times in so when many I was replicated ye- forms. When I was younger, I uh-huh. thought it was corny for sure, and because sure. it was because of how much I had heard it just referenced in yeah whatever uh, and they, TV shows and shit. They kind of invented that that groove of like such syncopated like drums and bass at the same time and hand claps so it's like Wing. yeah the clap yeah and, like that that sample of like that song has been used so many times has in hip hop yeah yeah exactly like all of their early songs just got used by so many people who grew up listening to them like you'd hear uh, ice t ice cube um, every uh, uh, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, everybody was like, we grew up listening to Zap, and when we were making our first mixtapes, the first person we were sampling was Zap. So, you know, Snoop huh. Dogg's like, on my first mixtape, there's like three, four songs that are just Zap and me like rapping over. Like, wow, they, they basically influenced so much of hip hop, uh, especially on the West Coast, which is odd. Like, they didn't really plan on that per se. Huh. But what happened was... What if they did? One day. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to conquer West There's Coast There's going to be hip-hop. a man called Snoop Dogg. People kind of mm-hmm. chalk it up to the fact that, like, there's certain influences, say, on, like, the East Coast and the West Coast. And the difference, say, with the East Coast is a lot of stuff they were listening to you'd have to listen to with headphones because you're in New York City mm-hmm. and you have to just, like, have headphones on all the time Yeah, if you're going to listen to shit. And on the West Coast, it's mostly through cars. So a lot of the music that was just being blasted through like subwoofer systems 
and making the whole car fucking shake is what led to like huh. California love. <laughs> like wow. all that shit like basically is traced through the fact that people wanted to really like make the whole street like bounce. Right. Make the whole street have just like a vibe sensation and wow. like shake the ground. So that's where you get this kind of like bass with the drums like so hard. Yeah. It's funny because we also kind of identify it with this like very high pitched like robot voice. It's like California love. But like right. on the opposite side of that, you really also imagine the cars like bouncing and shit. Like yeah. that. Totally. So this dude basically came up with that sound. Wow. Yeah. And like at the time when they were becoming a band and being discovered by Bootsy Collins, they're definitely in the funk genre, but they're like it, over time, like people are like, they were closer to techno. Like they were just like, here's a dance beat. Oh, sure. And just like, you know, just repeat loop this yeah. for like five minutes. Yeah. You know, sort of thing. Right. And definitely all about like putting on a stage show. Yeah. And that again is like Roger's like big thing is like, you know, make this the best show people have ever been to live. Yeah. And it's so funny to see this like family band dynamic of people all kind of like agreeing like Roger is incredible. Let's all just like be this yeah, family band. Yeah, so this band. whole time that he is having a music career, is it always his family in the band with him? Largely. Wow. Yeah. He, he How makes... many of his family members are in the band with him? <laughs> well, there's definitely Terry and uh, there's definitely uh, Lester and then there's Larry. And Larry is the guy that we're talking about with the suicide. Oh. Larry was his his brother, his older brother. Okay. And he made him the manager of the band from oh, the beginning. And Larry was the guy who brought them to the next level, was like, here's how we get in front of clubs and just, you know, continually showing off his younger brother. Wow. And showing off, like, what he could do. And uh, it kind of became too successful, really, in a sense. Like, they had all these hits, and then they started spending their money by um, investing in, like, Let's make a real estate company. Let's make a Troutman real estate company. Man. And like a Troutman like recording company. Or they sell fish tanks. <laughs> 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 and they would like do so well, but like I guess that's kind of an added stress that was happening to Larry that Roger wasn't seeing. Roger oh. was just this dynamo, like trying to fuck all the time, trying to right be music. like touring yeah write music he was like a savant and like you know but so any like financial concerns were kind of always put on larry yeah and larry though was still like a part of the band like larry would play uh the bongos (laughs) oh really he played like yeah like side drums wow okay yeah like in slipknot where they have multiple drummers (laughs) wow he's the bongo player what did and so just so i have a full picture uh roger played guitar yeah. Or uh, okay, and so well, Lester played drums, and then Terry played what bass? Uh, uh, I don't remember whatever. what Terry played, but it probably was bass. No, Terry I think was drums. Uh, okay, and Lester? No, Lester was drums, and Terry was maybe. All right. Bass. Well, but the point matter. is, what's really interesting is Roger did play guitar, but then at a certain point, he basically adopted the vocoder. Oh, you know that instrument? That's yeah. the thing that you play like a keyboard, and then you're like, like talking to like the California Love thing is a <laughs> California Love. Yeah, yeah. That became the central focus of the band. No way, really. Yeah, he was like, "This is 
like a thing in the center of the stage. It's me doing this. Like really, this is, every song is now hooked around this. Wow. Yeah, he's basically the guy who made that so- like that sound identifiable. Holy shit. Yeah, like when you hear Daft Punk or you hear Kanye West or T Pain and stuff like that, like yeah. they're echoing like the shit that this guy put out there. Wow. Yeah, it, the technology had existed, but no one had ever made it like the centerpiece instrument of a band, let alone like <laughs> it's the source of your multiple hits right. and like shit. Wow, but again, cool. their whole thing was all like, let's just get people in a room and start dancing. Like, get the... Bam. Maybe we'll all fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, every song is this. Here's, their, here's their, one of their follow-up hits to more bounce to the ounce. It's called Computer Love. Computer Love. Wow. Dude, it is funny, like... Oh my god! This is before computers were like personal computers. <laughs> he just was like, "Imagine a world where you find love online." <laughs> like he totally predicted like Tinder and shit. <laughs> wow! It is funny. There was a whole era of music where computers became a thing that people were aware of, and everybody made computer songs. <laughs> I know. I'm so fucking. It's so crazy, man. When I saw that, that was like their next hit. I fucking was crying, laughing because it's just like every every band tried to do like. Tom Petty went through it. Digital love. Fucking Paul McCartney has that song, "Temporary Secretary." Do you know that song? Temporary (laughs) secretary. It's so. Girl, your pussy is zeros and ones. Girl, zero zero one one zero one one. I think that just spells butt. So Roger was all about expressing himself, getting out there, you know, doing side projects and stuff. But like, he he also wasn't that much of like, I own this family. Like he was, uh-huh. he would always tell people in the band and the family, he's like, you can be the lead singer. Just don't bore my fans. Oh. His big sentiment was always, don't bore my fans. Wow. He's like, I, my one thing is when we go out there, it has to be like a big event for people. And wow. we live and die by the stage. You know, we come off, you know. And so he was kind of like, you can take the crown from me, but are you going to be as good as me, Roger? (laughs) Wow. But he kind of would be egalitarian and be like, yeah, it's up to you. Wow. (laughs) But I'm clearly the best. So they're like so popular. When when are they popular? The 70s, especially? Yeah, 70s, 80s. Okay. Uh, Towards the late 80s, big dip off. Right. Okay. Yeah. So they like get they get so big that they have a fucking real estate company mm-hmm. called Troutman Troutman Fish Tanks. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh-huh. Yeah, like Troutman Real Estate, and it's so crazy actually because they were like super about like let's employ people from the neighborhood, and they themselves would just build the houses. Like literally, this what? family band with would, funk. Would, <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. You just play when the they keyboard, talk. and then the bricks come dancing up the driveway. They're like. <laughs> We get up in the morning, start building a house, do band practice from 12 to 3, go back, finish the house, like move on. Like they just were doing construction and like... That's crazy. They were so like... 
trying to build this family, you know, business that like their one of their sisters became like the first like certified electrician in Ohio. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> they were like, she's she's going to like electrician school. Like she's gonna help us build these houses. <laughs> what? And they they just would do that all the time. But that's kind of like a risky business to begin with. Is Love real estate that movie? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah real estate is hard especially if you're building the houses yourself yeah it's really weird man it oftentimes <laughs> it's like you have to buy the house before you can even sell the house right you know you have to like refab it and everything yeah so they were doing all that oh i see what you're and saying and so they're like really overextending themselves right while Roger is kind of having the time of his life all the time. He's just like alone in a lava lamp, just like doop, 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 doop. Dude, he can talk to his keyboard. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm going to have sex with all these keys. He's having the best time of his life. And I really am picturing, yeah, just like, <laughs> just like buckets of paint, just like dancing up to the house. Just, ooh. ooh yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> They're all just, oh man. A family needs love and it needs funk. <laughs> this family is going to live in these four walls. So Roger didn't do any of this like crazy housework. He just was the genius who wrote the song. I think so. I think he was too busy, like always kind of just trying to create what the sound of the band would be. Wow. He was the most musically inclined mm -hmm. and like making the most stuff. But then like Larry was the guy who was constantly set with like, okay, now we're also a construction business. Also, wow. we're a production company because they were a pretty good like music production company and like they'd have acts come through that they'd sign and you know they were trying but they were kind of overextending themselves like in every sense right <laughs> so as larry is getting really like overextended overextended yeah like the housing market kind of crashes it fucks over the business roger's like just now getting sampled by all of these hip-hop artists he oh. then goes on to help write uh, California Love oh. and like gets nominated for a Grammy. And, so we're in the 90s now. Yeah, the early oh, 90s. Okay. Uh, when I think all that was happening. Yeah. And I think uh, the band just kind of would keep being an entity uh, with Roger, but I think there was just anger and spite kind of happening between the siblings uh -huh. where, you know, like... Roger could kind of at any point put out a solo project, and he would. Oh. Or he'd be the one going out and getting those checks for like, you know, from Snoop Dogg or from Dr. Dre. Oh, yeah. And then like kind of figuring out how to give the family business that money. And Larry was like taking care of Roger's kids and stuff. Like he's running this whole family business that's like, how do we pay family members who like... Wow. You know, are just on like the family, you know, like money. Right. And like he's just kind of going out of his mind. Right. Trying to keep track of all that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's fucked up. <laughs> it's like not okay. Yeah. I think that's. So Roger a just takeaway. wasn't, just like wasn't aware or wasn't sympathetic to the fact he just didn't realize who was putting in work for him that deserved. I think to he, be paid better. I think he was aware, and he also was unsympathetic. To yeah, a point. like they were brothers, and that's very important. I think in the final, uh, you know, finality of that story. But like, 
he knew, hey, I, I like go and have solo hits all the time. Everyone seems to really like me and like I don't have to necessarily support my brother and you know like his stuff. So he was like, I'm kind of done with you being my manager. And he called over his brother one night. I guess it was um, April 25th, 1999. Finally, this is when this all plays out. After April 25th, 1999. All the, all, yeah, pre-9-11. <laughs> Just, uh, he called in his brother, I guess, after kind of the wave of the 90s here. Really seeing, like, Zap's not going to come back. You know, like, Roger's very, like, I'm I'm the only thing that is supporting all of this. Wow. And he wants to cut out Larry. And so he calls him over one night and Larry like doesn't take it well. Uh, yeah. And uh kills Roger. Whoa. Shoots him four times. Whoa. Roger doesn't die immediately. He like bleeds out and like has to go to a hospital where then he dies. Wow. And what? after Larry shoots him, he gets in his car, breaks down crying. And drives like three blocks, crashes into a tree, and shoots himself. I think he shot himself, and then he, the and then crashed. Into a tree. Yeah, yeah, he, he shot himself after he killed his brother. Wow. Yeah, the end of this family like institution dynasty. Yeah, yeah, oh that had, like employed like so many people and like been working so hard to like just make their community better and like man get out of that. Yeah. A murder suicide that's like the definition of more bounce for the ounce you know <laughs> i was wondering one, when you were gonna find one guy <laughs> two dead <laughs> two birds one one gun you know <laughs> no it's, it's god damn dude sad and i mean there's a lot to take away from it one would be say roger's legacy who's just this hugely influential person on like hip-hop that like Maybe yeah. we'll never get his his due, but also it feels like, like he has gotten his due. What do you mean he'll never get his due? Well, he's just I don't like know. not like, thought of in the annals of history. Of yeah, yeah, I guess that's you true. You know, like I think people should know about him easily as much as like Tupac or Notorious B.I.G. Like neither mm -hmm. of those guys have put out any shit in the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> like where have they been? That's Where's true. Tupac been? Last <laughs> like you know it sucks. No, no. They you're, just have no. You're info. not wrong. <laughs> I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> the main takeaway is how yeah. not wrong. I'm I am. not wrong. <laughs> April 25th, 1999 also is that and this is a fucked up thing to realize, but is that 5 days after Columbine? What? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Damn. Columbine happened in 1999, right? Or was that in 98? Cuz I know that it was April 20th. Okay. Yeah. It's just interesting to think like how much, I guess, just how much horror there is in the world. Too much gun violence. Uh, Aristotle, when was, when was Columbine? Was it on 9 11? 99. 20th, yeah. Oh, shit. So it was five days Damn. after Columbine. I'm kind of scared. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> the Columbine day. Well, you know, I mean, you didn't know that it was on 420? Nope. Oh, yeah, no, it was on 420. Oh, okay. Uh, Interesting. Because it was Hitler's birthday. Uh, <laughs> No, that's oh, what they said. Fuck. Uh, they didn't say it was because of the weed thing. I though thought that they might did have been it the because reason. of Doom and Marilyn Manson. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we did it because of it. bowling. <laughs> 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 um, 
Yeah, that's funny, man, because this guy saw the Columbine news and was just like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I mean, I do not give a fuck about Columbine. Or maybe, right maybe it just had him in such a tizzy. Because I don't know if you've ever been in a tizzy, but they can be bad. Uh, nope, we're not laughing at that? Okay. I, I hate tizzies. <laughs> Thank you, Hampton. I legit hate tizzies. I just wanted someone to acknowledge that I said tizzy and that that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous to say that Columbine is the reason that he did that. But <laughs> Absolutely is not the reason. Of course it's not the reason he did that. <laughs> but and you you commit a Columbine. But I guess the reason it's interesting to me is that it's sort of like when there's gun violence right. like crammed next to each other, it does kind of make you wonder if the country or the world was in like a heightened state of stress in general. State. Just oh, like we yeah. are now, like like everyone is so clearly more stressed out with Trump being president. It's obvious. I would have never. <laughs> thought of this because i i didn't know that columbine was five days earlier that is really funny because it's like the nation would have been talk. i remember the nation was talking about gun violence yeah and for that to be a time that you commit gun violence is like pretty fucking insane <laughs> it's like, crazy i had no idea man yeah that's <laughs> so weird i feel like yeah i mean just thank like- god they got that done before y2k I know, dude. Y2K ruined everything. Because <laughs> it blew up the banks, dude. <laughs> well, something that's really interesting to me that I saw about this uh, murder-suicide is that like Larry and uh, Roger are buried next to each other. Whoa. They had a joint funeral. Really? Everyone came, and the whole thing is just mourned as like, Roger and boys Larry will be died. boys. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, there's literally they share a gravestone. Wow! Like to me, that was really not in. I don't want to say insane, but just like, whoa! The idea that you share your gravestone with the guy who killed you. Yeah. Even if he's your brother who you've worked with for thirty years. I know it does seem that's fucking kind of crazy. It's right. That says a lot about their how the family saw themselves. I think they, yeah, they, they were. saw it all together where they're like, and Larry was just super drained and was having a hard time. I'm sure. Roger was like, I'm firing you from a manager. So they're kind of like, I guess there's equal blame. <laughs> right. <laughs> like they, they don't say that level, but I think, well, especially I think the guy it's killed very confusing to them. Too. So it wasn't like, I mean, I feel like yeah. if he murdered him and then lived on, he probably wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't be buried, but they died like the same day. Yeah. As a result of this one man's <laughs> violent act, four times. But yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe there had been like, yeah, no, well, like it's a not. Lot of the kids have forgiven each other, you know, like talked about it, where they're just like, you know, we loved Larry, you know, like yeah. for whatever it's worth. Like this is all just very tragic, but it's not like we're just like, and all the kids of Larry are bad, and now the family <laughs> is broken up. And yeah. I think that's really fucking interesting that this family band is still performing to this day they've gone through like this horrific incident yeah like, that, which you haven't seen in like the osmonds or the jackson five or any other family band this is like a true like murder suicide it's really fucking awful and i think it's like a testament to just like i don't know 
being positive <laughs> in a lot yeah. of ways. They really like believe in the music. They're like, people get so much out of this. Yeah. We can't stop. <laughs> yeah. Man. It's just so interesting that like so much of this, uh, so many of the stories that we talk about on this podcast are just people, they just come from love. That's the craziest part of it to me. Hmm. That like so much rage is rooted in love. Like I, we've said yeah. before that like most pain on the earth is created by expectations hmm. uh, or comes from, is related to expectations. Um, it's just really, you just wouldn't think that would be the case. But you hurt the people you love most. I feel, I feel like I've dealt with that a lot with uh, my siblings or like people that I, you know, love. Uh, you then do create a set of expectations, right? Whether you know it or not, you right. just now are like, you can't break my heart because I love you, right? Right. So the minute you do that, you've broken the rule. You need to be. I yeah. My expectations are generally like you need to be acting in my best interest. Mm-hmm. And like, if you hurt my feelings and you don't care, it makes me really mad for sure. And it's like, that makes sense because the reason that exists is that you like create it for each other. And there's like something special about that. If you have expectations of each other, you have this pact where you're like, you expect this of me. I expect this of you. Mm-hmm. I will be there for you. You will be there for me. And so, and that's like what love is basically. But, uh, but isn't that, it's, it's like, it's shitty because it's like, we're putting just so much expectation on somebody else who has all the same failings absolutely as any other human. Right. And it sucks. Cause I've caught myself so many times of that where I'm like, why was I so upset that I expected this from that person? And, and then I go, man, that was all me. That was all me putting those expectations on that person. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know. It's a fine line. I think, I think it's hard to, it maybe doesn't entirely make sense to kick yourself over shit like that because, because you know, one of the reasons I, I, what I'm saying is like one of the reasons love feels good is that you're like entering into this pact with a person where like you're something else. You're there's like more mutual respect, more understanding, more support. And like, that's, what's great about it. Right. But then, yeah, the downside is if they let you down, then it hurts more than ever and you feel more justified being angry or shitty. And I think that second part is what you have to like watch out for because obviously they're fucked up just like you are. There's a crazy thing that happened like a while back between like Dane Cook and his brother. And I always thought that was very like, if you really look at that case, it's, it's a case built around, I think this is what I'm, you know, owed. Yeah, on, on a lot of both sides. And I think like when you try and work with your family, that's already, you know, it's going to have the same level of bullshit that just working with anyone does. Yeah. But when it's your family, it's like, how could you have betrayed me? And it, all I can recommend if people try to work with their families, really try to have the same expectations of like just any regular person who's working and, you know, has their own, schedule their own problems you know like you can't just expect your family to know what's happening inside of your life right and oh damn i i I haven't like uh been your therapist for three months i i have no idea what's happening right on that level with you i just know that you're like upset 
you know. And it's also kind of harder with family sometimes because they just don't know how to relate to each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I I wonder, like, I, I want to agree with you 100% that it's like, because I agree that all these problems stem from expectations, but I, I it's just so like, can you ask of people to not have expectations of their family? I mean, it's just like, is that going to happen realistically? I wonder. No. Ideally, you, <laughs> no. yeah, you would. I think we have to know how to deal with that. Communicate. Yeah. Like, literally, that s- problem between yeah. his, that him and his brother, between Roger and Larry, could have been solved by Larry being like, hey, man, I do a lot for you, and what you're saying right now makes me feel very not appreciated. And... And then if his brother were there for him in that moment, he would be like, oh, I appreciate you, and this is why I feel like I appreciate you. But instead, they just uh, just shot each other. <laughs> he shot him. He shot it him. It was one guy he shot him and other. shot himself. What's yeah. exactly shoot at? Yeah, no. Uh, I, I, <laughs> and it's not like, that's not easy, you know? Yeah, I think, like, Larry was kind of, like, dealing with a lot of pressures that, say, we talk a lot about on this podcast. Like, he was gaining a lot of weight, apparently, and he was just... Being weird, like he would, his daughters are like, you know what, you know, like before he shot the, you know, my uncle, he, he like hugged me really hard and it was a really intense moment of like, I love you. You know, like he was doing these things of like, I I think I'm going to kill my brother sort of shit. You know, he's like freaking out to a level that this is like clearly some sort of like dark thought he can't get rid of. Yeah. My, my brother wants to drop me as the manager of the van. That's the one thing I do. And also these businesses are failing and he's not giving me any money to help him. And like, I just have to kill him, you know, cause he's, he's not helping me or I'll give him the ultimatum to help me one last time or I'll kill him, you know? And then it's like, he, he must've felt so bad after he shot and killed his brother that he, he couldn't even make it down the block basically. Like yeah. he shot himself in the car after trying to leave basically. So that really implies like a level of guilt had yeah. washed over him of like, I don't deserve to live. Right. If I thought my brother didn't deserve to live, then clearly I don't deserve to live. Um, you know, and which isn't right. And none of it was a right decision, but it's also like, um, well, <laughs> <laughs> come on. <laughs> this guy? All of it. I know. Weird, man. Computer, Computer love. love, dude. <laughs> Computer love, man. Well, I mean, that sounds like why they're buried together, right? That it was just like that complicated. <laughs> so that's exactly what's so interesting to me about that. To be buried with the guy who shot you. That has to be a, yeah, like, a like, one I'm of a kind. Trying to apologize thing. for him at all. I, I you know, I I guess I just try I to think reserve their judgment family on everything. Realizes how complicated yeah. it was. And they were just like this is a fucked up industry the whole family is involved in at this point. Yeah. We're all like tangentially like involved in the fact that Roger Troutman was this huge musician. Yeah. Even his son uh, recently just got, I think, put in prison for murder. Uh, and his, his musician name is Lil Gangsta. <laughs> Lil Gangsta. Lil Gangsta just, Damn, got, dude. just got put away. Man. <laughs> I swear to God. Damn. <laughs> I mean, I was like, this can't be right. Like, you know, look into it, folks. This, I guess he's just like, you know, 
guilty of murder or something. I mean, yeah, Larry clearly fucking yeah killed somebody. Yeah, it sucks to see a family kind of just yeah. raised to such like high esteem and then kind of just self sabotage in yeah, such a it's way. Just so sad. Yeah. 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 Well, damn, that was a great story, man. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for doing it. Of course, man. We got a fucking. <laughs> you ever fall in love with a computer? Yeah, dude. This is. Have you seen that movie Her? That's what this is about. That's what the Matrix is. Yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's such a fucking funny song. Oh, my God. I love what the 70s thought the future would be like. Uh, it's going to be like living inside a, of a computer. <laughs> yeah, and a computer's dude. like a woman. <laughs> you got to treat him with dominance. <laughs> uh, no, we, it's so fucking hysterical. We have a new bonus episode up on Patreon this week. Uh, Patreon.com slash Suicide Buddies. We're talking about suicide in the movie Airplane. Yeah, uh, there's a bunch of suicide in the uh, in the movie <laughs> <Mostly> Airplane. Jokes, <laughs> suicide jokes in the movie Airplane. It's not a very serious movie. But, <laughs> it's a silly movie, uh, so it'll be fun to talk about. Um, yeah, and Hampton, that was a lot of fun, dude. Thanks a lot. I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Airplane is like a documentary. You're right. I think it's I think it's the most serious movie I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I can't wait to do this as a bonus episode. And guys, uh, come check us out in Portland, uh, May 26th. May we'll be at the 26th. Siren Theater. There you go. Two shows, 7 p.m., 9.30 p.m. Slay 26th. <laughs> and Hampton's uh, in Seattle, May 24th and 25th. So go to that shit, too. And go see Zap. Fucker. Yeah, dude, at the go mall. No, dude, they're they're like all over the country. They're doing so good. Hell I feel yeah, I feel great for them. Okay, good. Like, I really do feel like awesome that they overcame this great this great tragedy. Absolutely, <laughs> like, and that like, they're headlining the Denny's in Des Moines next week. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. <laughs> yeah, guys, come see us at the Siren Theater in Portland, <laughs> May twenty sixth. Oh, comedy theater it's be is amazing. in the name. It's a theater. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Come watch us. Thanks for listening, guys. Glad you're alive. Glad you're alive. Thank you guys so much for listening to Suicide Buddies. Remember, we tell jokes about suicide and suicidal thoughts on this show because we've been there and that's how we deal with it, not because we literally think someone killing themselves is funny. We do not. We do not think that. We want everyone to stay here with us on Earth. So if you're experiencing suicidal thoughts, contemplating suicide, please reach out to people. You are loved in this world. You can always call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. They're a great resource. They know what you're going through, and they will hear you. Thanks again for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.